He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Welcome into the 73rd hole, Colby Powell and Taylor Williams with you. The week after Thanksgiving, I no longer have a turkey hangover. I am good to go. The uh, match took place Friday. We got the Mayakoba this week, the last official event of the season, the official PGA Tour event of the season. Of course, uh, we've got still some big things happening on the LPGA Tour this month. We've also got the PNC Father-Son Challenge coming up in a couple weeks. We've got some good audio from Justin Thomas about that coming up here in a little bit. But, Taylor, how was your Thanksgiving? Man, it's pretty good, man. I think uh, I hope all of our listeners out there had a great Thanksgiving as well. And I think, like a lot of people, it's uh, we just now on the start of December, so kind of everyone's got foresight on Christmas coming up, I think is the way that, at least at least I, my household is. I know everyone in our family really loves Christmas, but at the same time, Thanksgiving's really good because, uh, kind of like yourself, I don't have a turkey hangover, and I probably gained about five to six pounds over the break. Yeah, that usually happens, and then you kind of try to get back to normal before Christmas, and then you put it all back on, so it's just kind of the cycle of life. Yeah, or, or you can just kind of say, oh, I'm, I'm going to use these this month and a half to get fat. You know, it, it'll be your splurge, splurge two That's months. That's winter. You know, hey, or it's gonna be like thirty degrees and raining all day tomorrow. You just, you have to sit inside. You don't have a choice. And the way I see it too is we're we're almost to the end of twenty twenty, which is I mean just been such a fabulous year. Sarcastically, so many ways around. So we need to end it with a bang. So let's uh, let's just end it and have some fun. No uh, no restrictions. Yeah, count me in on that. We uh, thirty and raining tomorrow. You trying to play some golf? Maybe get a quick nine in. I say hashtag tee it forward. I say thirty six. Thirty. Ooh man. Or you know, know we could, you know how many holes we could play. 73. 73? Now that's a good idea. Didn't we try to one time when we were younger, we were in like high school or something, we were going to try to play 100 holes in a day and we didn't make it? I don't think we made it halfway through. Man, we ran into some friends on the course and they wanted to hop in with us. We ended up in like a four or five some. Totally screwed the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you get pace of play going. Then you have to wait on people and it, it can be it can be a cluster. But I know that we've tried to do marathon golf before. And one of the biggest things too is you got to get out there at the crack of dawn and that's not really our strong suit either. No, no, that's not ideal. But uh, anyway, so PNC Father Son Challenge, as I mentioned, is coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's going to be fun. Uh, we talked about it. Justin Thomas and his dad are in. Bernard Longer and his son are in. John Daly and his son are in. Tiger Woods and his son, Charlie Woods, uh, who is becoming a little bit of a celebrity in his own right, are in. And we got a little Justin Thomas audio here. So apparently there is a Woods-Thomas rivalry that is brewing. Uh, but that is not Justin and Tiger. That is Justin and Charlie. So here's what Justin had to say when asked about Charlie and the potential of playing with him at the PNC Father-Son Challenge in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, Tiger and I have talked about it a bunch. I think it, it, he brought it up um, a while ago that Charlie wanted to play, and 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 Charlie really wanted to play with us. He he wanted to. Um, he's got. I've obviously gotten to know him well, and he and he knows my dad a little bit as well. Um, so I think you know his competitive. For some reason, he just always wants. Charlie always wants to beat me. It doesn't matter what it is. It, although he's never beaten me in, in golf or a putting contest, he still talks trash uh, just like his dad. So. It's you know it'll be fun. We'll we'll have that like inner tournament within a tournament. Uh, you know, trying to trying to shut his little mouth up, but it'll be fun. That's Justin Thomas talking about Charlie Woods. How great is that? Shut his little mouth up, man. That's great. Well, it, it goes to show he takes after his dad. He's gonna uh, Charlie's gonna talk that smack no matter what. But if he has yet to beat Thomas in golf or a putting contest, he's gonna. I mean, you can talk all that smack, but you gotta walk the walk. Yeah, there's two things I particularly like about that clip. One, he made sure to say he talks a lot of trash, just like his dad. You know, letting us know Tiger's 
quite the trash talker. And then two, he made sure everybody knew that Charlie's never beaten him at so much as a putting contest. So he, he wanted to make sure everybody knew Charlie ain't out here running him off the golf course. He is still one of the top five players in the world, and Charlie is still 11 years old. But I like that. I like that Charlie has the little uh, competitive fire there. And it's, it's weird. You know, I've seen people talking about, you know, I, I'm obviously a little bit of a gambler, and uh, I follow some other gamblers on social media and stuff, and people are talking about, you know, how weird it's going to feel in a couple of weeks whenever they bet money on an 11-year-old at a golf tournament and all this stuff. But Charlie's becoming quite the little celebrity in his own right, and I think this is the first time that Tiger is really uh, kind of putting him in the public eye and saying, okay, Charlie, you want to play? You want to do this? Let's do it. Father, son, let's have some fun. But this is this is it. This is cameras. This is lights. This is action. And I tell you what, I hadn't really thought about the betting aspect of it. You know, you think about betting an 11-year-old, you think about the Mighty Might football games on the sidelines and the parents are up there hiding behind people throwing 20s down and you got a big congregation. You're like, what in the world's going on up there? And all of a sudden, hundreds of dollars are getting exchanged. So I think it yeah, will be... I haven't be- bet on you sports in years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna- I kid, I kid. I- I, I I think that's an interesting concept. I hadn't really thought about. It. I mean, you're betting. You're li- like people are going to be throwing their oh, hard odds look- on it. Yeah, oh, Vegas, Vegas odds. Absolutely. That's it's. And I know father son challenge and some parents older than or the kids are older and then eighteen that kind of thing. But it is weird to think about that people would be betting on an eleven year old. I mean, obviously he's with Tiger and all that. But I don't know. What do you think of their chances? We won't get too much into it. But what what do you think? You think Charlie? You think Charlie's going to be able to back up this trash talk that he's been bringing? Especially yeah, to Thomas. I mean, it's it's a scramble. So got that going for him. I'm curious just how far forward he'll get to play it. I'm assuming as an 11-year-old, he'll get to play it just about as far forward as it goes. Uh, I don't know like where his tees will be at in relation to the senior tees. I assume he's not a bomber, just he's 11. Um, Might but, be a bomber for an 11-year-old, right, but still, true. that's, that's but, not... Uh, but I would also assume that he's as long very, as Bernhard Langer. That's very true. Uh, I would assume that he's a very straight hitter because he's young and he's great, and whenever you're young and you're great, I mean, not generating a ton of club head speed, I would assume he's a really straight hitter. So maybe that allows Tiger to hit a bunch of drivers and hope he hits the fairway, and if not, they can just play from 170 in where Charlie's at, and we know Tiger's one of the best iron players of all time. I think that they could realistically have a chance, but I don't think Tiger himself is going to be out grinding on the range here. And who knows, maybe Charlie is telling Tiger, Dad, we got to practice. We got to practice. I bet he is. I, and, and Tiger's like, we need to, let's go in. Let's have dinner. No, Dad, we got to practice. We, we need to win, win this. this thing. And I hope, I hope that Charlie is pushing Tiger because Charlie wants to go out as, 11, as an 11 year old and win it. I, I bet he does. I can definitely see that behind the scenes for sure. And I mean, I, th- I think one thing to, to note about it is that, you know, if and you see it in scrambles all the time, Colby. Like you, you'll have one guy who, and this is a two man, but even in four man, you'll have one guy who kind of carries the team, and everyone else may you have may have one guy on your team who hits one shot, but yet they still get the same accolades as you do because they won. And so, is Charlie going to ride the back of Tiger if Tiger plays good, and then talk that smack to JT if he doesn't do anything, or is Charlie going to be able to, you know, I guess one thing you mentioned too about young kids is that normally if they're really good, not only are they straight, but they're really good short game, really good putters. So I would expect Charlie to potentially make a couple of putts here or there, which would give him that leverage to trash talk. But if Tiger's hitting all the shots, making all the putts, and they beat uh, Thomas and his dad, then, I mean, you can't... I mean, if you don't really contribute to the team, it's kind of hard to trash talk, no matter what age you are. Yeah, again, I still think... I told you a couple weeks ago, I think uh, JT and his dad are the play. His dad's former PGA professional. Might still be a... a licensed PGA professional. Uh, and then Justin Thomas is one of the top five players in the world. And we don't have to worry about his health because he's young and in good health. So we don't have to worry about what his back feels like when he wakes up that morning. Uh, but I think it'll be a, a ton of fun. I'm, I'm 
looking forward to the PNC challenge, uh, you know, as much as I am any of these upcoming PGA events, because it's just, it's so unique and uh, it, it really is. And I don't want this to come out wrong because I don't want to put too much pressure on an 11-year-old. But I think we all as Tiger fans know that it's coming to an end. We're not there yet. We've still got a few more years of Tiger, but we know it's not going to last forever. But if we get a Tiger Cub to come out and then we can just basically transition our fanaticism directly from Tiger to Tiger Cub, then I think that that would be just a ton of fun. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like on the first time on, on the pub, in the public eye for Charlie Woods. Yeah, and and I, this isn't going to be the last time we see Charlie because, like I said, if he's got that competitive fire, he's going to keep pushing through the rest of his career. I, I mean, obviously, any uh, you can burn out at any point in time, so it's not saying that that's not a possibility. But at the same time, I, I like your idea of maybe they time it right. You know, kind of uh, NBA comparison is LeBron James and Bronny James coming out at the same time wanting to be in the league together. So I think we might see something like that. So Charlie's – we talked about this one show and we've got the master. We give t- – 10 years where he's 21, so he would be, so then Tiger would be 54, which is fairly old, but, I mean, we've seen some players that old. I mean, we just saw Bernard Langer, 63, make the cut at the um, Masters, so, I mean, and Tom Watson almost won the um, British Open at age 59, so, I mean, it's not out of the stretch of possibility that Tiger's still playing some fairly decent golf and Charlie comes out on the tour. I don't I don't think it's out of the, I, I wouldn't bet on that being a possibility just because not only do you need a 45-year-old Tiger about to be to play another 10 years of good golf, but you need an 11-year-old not to get burned out on golf and be good enough to make it to the tour. I mean, these are all things that are... Yeah, I mean, best-case scenario, Tiger wins the Masters at 55, and then the following year, he slips the jacket on Charlie, but that's probably a fairy tale world. It's it's pretty... I'd say the odds are against it. Yeah, there would have to be a lot of things that that go right for that, but I tell you what, I would be the very first fan for it, and you mentioned something interesting, Colby, earlier about playing the up tees, and I think that's a good segue into this last week's The Match because because our, our man Chuck he um he got a little bit of an advantage that I didn't think that he was going to have before the tournament I didn't I don't know about you Colby and we didn't talk about this I didn't see anywhere where he was going to be playing different tees than the other guys also what's the cutoff for the senior tees Charles Barkley's 57 years old I mean are they is, is he, it 55 he wasn't 60 he wasn't playing no senior tees he's playing the he was playing the front tee box there I, I don't know if he I was saw, way up I don't know if I saw one hole where there was another tee box in front of his Besides the part threes where he hit where everyone else did because there was closest to the pin and hole-in-one challenges. Right. So he hit from the same right. tee box there. But on every other hole, I think he was as, as far up as you can get. And, you know, we, we talked about it on our preview show, Colby, with you have the best best player out of the four. And, you know, how much difference will, would Chuck make compared to Peyton and then uh, Phil compared to Steph? Well, Steph looked like he was a... 15 handicap out there instead of a plus yeah. handicap. That I mean, was Steph's a, Steph is scratch going on seven. That's exactly. I mean, that was, I mean, I could understand, you know, having some nerves and all that, but like you said, he almost made, he almost hauled out to make the cut at a uh, web.com at the time event. Yeah. And so, I mean, this guy can play and I don't know what exactly happened to his game, but had we known, had I known particularly, I wanted to, I was thinking about betting him anyway, but had I known, Charles was going to get to play those up tees, I, I would have definitely bet them because, I mean, we saw it a couple of times. They were Phil hit it in the shit, and that's the shot they had to take. And so we saw a little bit of that, but there were so many holes where Chuck could just hit an iron out there. And for anyone who hasn't played desert golf, it, it can look intimidating because outside of the fairway is desert cactuses, rattlesnakes, all that stuff. But generally, the fairways are really wide. And so if you get a tee off that far up and you can just hit a five iron and which Grace. he did pretty much all day. And then with the format, you allow Phil to go up there and hit the second shot. 
a shoe in deal. Then at that point, all you need is Chuck to, um, you know, hit you a decent lag putt up there, hit it inside six feet, and Phil's going to make it for a par. Yeah, and Charles lag putted pretty well, extremely well um, for for what we expect. Yes, yeah, for for what is he probably a thirty handicap? Um, he putted, I thought, pretty well, good speed, uh, all that. But it was it was never really in doubt. I mean, they lost the first hole, they win what the next four, yeah. and then it, it was never really in doubt who was going to win the live betting odds. I hope you got on Phil and Chuck early if you wanted to bet them because live betting odds, it went away real quick and they very oh, yeah. quickly became the favorites. But um, I thought it was a fun format. I, You know, it was Black Friday. Uh, we were with family. We were doing other things. There's football on too. So I caught, I caught probably four, maybe five holes of it. I didn't sit down and watch the whole thing start to finish. So, um, y- you know, whenever they had the match this summer with – uh, Peyton and Tom and Phil and Tiger. That was just on a day when there wasn't anything going on and there wasn't even any sports happening at the time. So it was perfect. Everybody sat down, monster ratings, and it was a blast. Obviously, a lot lower ratings for this. It didn't include Tiger. And it was on Black Friday. There's a lot of other things going on sports-wise and life-wise. Um, but I thought it was a good event. I, I thought it was fun. And I hope they keep doing little exhibitions like this. It's, it's just fun. It's fun seeing normal like normal golfers, obviously Stefan Payton and Chuck aren't normal guys. They're celebrities, they're multimillionaires, whatever, but they're normal golfers. They go out, they have normal swings, they hit bad shots, they miss putts. It's, it's just fun to watch normal guys go out and knock it around a little bit. Well, one, the positive I, I see from it, Colby, is, you know, Steph is such a polarizing figure in the basketball world. And how many basketball players can, if they watch Steph play, are going to get enticed or want to play golf because they watched him play. I think that's something that will help grow the game a lot. And they had um, um, Andre Godala was on there commentating. So him and Steph have a good relationship, good golf relationship. You know, they play a lot together and that type of thing. And I, th- I think it's cool to whenever you have those multi, um, a different sport athlete play golf and just hearing them talk about golf and how they portray it. And, and Steph said during it, he just loved listening to Phil and how Phil was talking about how to play certain shots and how he would read greens. And so I think that might have been another reason Steph didn't play very well because he was more trying to learn any, than he was trying to play his own game. And I think that that's really cool, and I hope that that can transcend onto – um, individuals, kids, even who aren't aren't introduced to golf or don't have that avenue, when you see a lot more people, you know, a lot, it's a lot easier to get a basketball in your hands than it is a golf club and a golf ball on a golf course. You know, there's a, it's a lot easier access. So, or some of these people who haven't had access to golf yet, are they able to see it and say, oh, that looks like something I might want to do, and then go out and all of a sudden we grow the game, which is what we're all about here. So, I I, I love the fact that we're getting the um, different sport athletes playing. Initially, when I, when I heard about it, I was like, ah, that's not going to be that entertaining. But it's I, I enjoyed what I saw. It was it was funny to watch Chuck miss two and three footers when he had to put them. You can and, tell and having would, them all mic'd up was fun too. That's, oh, absolutely, that's obviously a must if they do any more of these. Everybody has to be mic'd up anytime they do one of these. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And um, you know, one kind of like you mentioned, I'm you know the ratings were lower, that kind of thing. And I wouldn't, I, I love that it was on free. I wouldn't mind if they did a they raised a lot of money for the charity just on the yep. calls. But if they want to do a pay per view thing for it, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. And, I, I would think that would be more for bigger time golfers per se. Yes. Yes. I, I because for that would grown- be if JT and Tiger played against uh, Rory and 
ROM and not like some little fun deal that they did at Payne's Valley, but like a legit what Tiger and Phil did, ten million. About a nine million. Yeah. 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 But I, I like I like the aspect of having it where everyone can see if you're putting the uh, the um, other sport athletes in there just because like Hashtag I said. Hashtag grow the game. Exactly. Couldn't have said anything better myself. Hashtag grow the game. So uh yeah, it was cool. We had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We had one of the greatest golfers of all time. We had one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And we had Charles Barkley. So one, one of the greatest announcers of all time. One of the greatest announcers of all time and a Hall of Famer in his own right as a basketball player. Uh, I just like to give Chuck a, a little bit of a hard time uh, because Steph is so good. But how about we transition here to a little PGA Tour golf we've got this week? What a field we've got for the Mayakoba Classic. Only PGA Tour event in the month of December, which obviously um, has brought a great field to Mayakoba. Just really a phenomenal field. The featured groups for this week, there's four featured groups. You have 2 a.m., 2 p.m. each day. Featured groups for this week. One threesome is Victor Hovland, Justin Thomas, Joaquin Neiman. Another threesome, Brooks Kepka, Carlos Ortiz, and defending champion Brendan Todd. And then we've got Ricky Fowler, Abraham Anser, a little bedlam action in that group. Gary Woodland, the third member of that group. And then the final featured group is Tony Finau, Sebastian Munoz, and Corey Connors. So, um, I mean, that's pretty strong featured groups right there. I know I'm going to wake up Thursday. I've got another job I do Thursdays that's uh, remote on the computer, and I always wake up, fire up the PGA Tour Live, have it on in the background. So I'm looking forward to those featured groups this week. Yeah, yeah. Normally in, in December, you don't see a field like that, le- or feature groups like that, unless it's the uh, the Hero World Challenge, which got canceled. It's supposed to be in the Bahamas Tigers Tournament. But yeah, I mean, look at the field. Just reading it off here, we got Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Harry English, Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, the OSU guy, Daniel Berger, Answer, you already mentioned, who's OU player, Russell Hanley, Joaquin Neiman, um, Ricky Fowler's even playing. He's down all the way 30 to one. Wow, that's insane. Well, he's in the field to be determined whether he's playing. Uh, that's, a, that's a fair way to put it. And well, you know, what he's been doing lately on the golf course, I don't know if I'd classify as playing, but he uh, holds a good record at Mayakoba. I think he's played it twice and all eight rounds are in the 60s. I think that's the stat I saw. That's pretty good. Today. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Really and, good. and you mentioned the bedlam thing just a second ago, Kobe. Um, one thing I think is interesting, we got uh, a current OSU player and a current OU player in the field with uh, Austin Eckroat and Quade Cummings. So that's really cool to see um, them get in and have that experience. And we also have friend of the show, Rian Gibson, in the field as well. So hopefully he's able to uh, show a good performance and get a little more status for him going into 2021. Yeah, no doubt. Repping that OC, Oklahoma Christian. So uh, a lot of good local golf in the field this week. Why don't we take a break, come back on the other side. We'll tell you who we think will finish higher out of Eckroat and Cummins. We'll make the prediction there. The two collegiate players here in the state of Oklahoma. We'll also give you our draft Kings lineup, some best bets as we take a look at the odds this week and give you the full preview of the Mayakoba Classic. Stay with us right here on the 73rd hole. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. 
Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. Reminder to check out the 73rd hole.com and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search 73rd hole and you will find us. Maya Coba Golf Classic this week being played at El Camillion Golf Club down in Mexico, a par 71 that plays just north of 7,000 yards. If you're doing the math in your head, yes, that is a short golf course for these days. It's one of those where you probably either hit the fairway or you re-tee. There's not a whole lot of forgiveness for the fairways here. That's why a lot of short straight hitters have won here. Tournament started in 2007. The first three winners of this event were Fred Funk, Brian Gay, and Mark Wilson. Uh, Mark Wilson, by the way, Paul Angsinger would like you to know that he won the Honda Classic uh, and that makes yeah, him... Splitting, yeah, ex- exactly. Yes. Yeah, crowning achievement of his career. Right, absolutely. You know, I mean, guys like Lee Westwood never won the Honda, so it's hard to really even compare the two careers between Mark Wilson and Lee Westwood. No, you can't. No, if you play on European tour, they're just not the same. It's yeah. just not Anyway, so those were the first three winners of the event. And then the recent two winners of the event, last year was Brendan Todd. What's he do? Short and straight. Two years ago was Matt Kuchar. Short and straight. So short and straight has kind of been the play at this golf course. Uh, And with that in mind, let's go ahead and dive into our DraftKings lineups for the week. I will start, uh, and I will start with my cheapest golfer. We can go cheapest to most expensive. And at 6,600, I'm going with the guy who was second on the PGA Tour last year in driving accuracy. Percentage of fairways hit, and that is Ryan Armour. If I can get a short straight hitter at a course that has historically favored short straight hitters for 6,600, I'm all in. So I will take Ryan Armour at 6,600 as my first DraftKings play this week. I thought about getting Ryan Armour. That that was definitely improving. What did you say? Was 6,600? 6,600, yeah. yeah. This this was one of the rare weeks, Colby, where I go in and I punch in. Normally, I start with the value and go up from there, see who I like down below, and I punch in my value picks and... I got a lot of cash left over, so I can go go ahead and run out some big dogs. So my cheapest guy is uh, seven thousand. A guy who has played this course very well and played pretty decent as of late. Give me Bryce Garnett at seven thousand. Um, over the last few tournaments, he has made. Let me. I don't want to misquote here. Um, f- made five of his last six cuts that he's played in, and I believe. Let me see if I find his course history here. Um, I know he's made. Any relation uh, to Kevin Garnett? Uh, here it is, right here. Yep, has made five of six cuts here with three top uh, tens. So pretty solid for, for seven for seven thousand. Sounds like a good a good play. You know, when your cheapest guy, you know, you want them just to get to the weekend. And so you didn't I, answer my question: Is he related to Kevin Garnett? Um, they look very similar because that'd be so sweet. They look they and they probably pretty similar at basketball. Yeah, that'd too. be cool. They yeah. should have snuck him in the uh, movie Hidden Gems. Was that what it was, what it was called Hidden Gems with uh, Adam Sandler? And, and I think it's something like I never saw it, but have I know the movie. Uh huh. I won't spoil it. Is it funny? Uh, the ending. I, I would recommend it. Okay. I would uh, recommend it. Well, we'll make sure to check it out. Anyone listening also check it out. Well, my, my uh, second cheapest guy, Colby, is a guy you actually mentioned earlier who um, is a one here before and actually won not too long ago. Give me Brian Gay at 7,500. Yeah. I mean, just plays this course well. Like I said, already he's won here how many ever time or won back however long ago, won the last time that he played. So um, I'm going to ride that train because just like you said, the short short and straight guys tend to do well here. And so um, I think Brian Gay fits that mold to a T. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going short and straight with my next cheapest as well at 6,900. I'm going with the guy who was third last year on the PGA Tour in percentage of fairways hit, and that is Brian Stewart. Brian Stewart has been known to creep up on some of these short golf courses, play some good golf in kind of some of these off-schedule events. You know, you never see Brian Stewart pop up in, uh, you know, 
March, April, May. It's not when Brian Stewart plays the best golf. Plays the best golf in the fall, usually in weaker fields. So this is a stronger field than we would usually see at the Mayakoba. But he's a short straight hitter on a course that favors short straight hitters. So at 6,900, I will take it. And then here's what I'm going to do. We're snake drafting, and I'm just going to skip the 7,000s entirely. Not, not that there weren't any guys that I didn't like there, but since I was able to go cheap with two guys I liked in Ryan Armour and Brian Stewart, I had a little more cash to spend on some other guys. So 8000 is my next cheapest, and this is a guy that probably surprised you a little bit, but I'm taking Patton Kazire No, at 8, no surprised me one bit. I thought I considered Kazire as well. Plays okay. his course really well and has been playing pretty well as of late. Well, yeah. uh, Two or two straight top 15s? Yeah, so I always I always look at a bunch of different previews before we come on, try to get a good feel, because you can just find good stats in these previews. Um, so what I like about Patton Kazire, when he won his first Corn Ferry title in 2015, it came after six top 10s in his previous nine starts, and then he won again three starts later after he won his first title. When he won at Mayakoba in 2017, so he's won here before, won at Mayakoba in 2017, it was preceded by a pair of top 10s, and then he won again three starts later. So he's streaky, and he likes this place short hitter uh he's fresh off finishes of 10th and 11th in his last two events that's his highest pair of consecutive results since his last victory 2017 in Mayakoba so he's headed the right direction so at 8,000 I'm, I'm taking Patton Kazire yeah yeah I like I'm, yeah that didn't shock me one bit I mean he's made five cuts in a row um was at seven of his last eight so I mean a guy for fairly cheap has been on a roll and plays this course well so definitely um Definitely fits the mold. And my next guy, Colby, is a gentleman who has played this tournament a fair amount and has never missed the cut here. Give me Russell Knox at 7,700. Not only does he play this course well, over his last two tournaments, he has finished 15th and 16th. So that is uh, two finishes inside the top 16. So I'm going to go ahead and ride that wave for um, for a guy who plays this course well. As, as you notice here, Colby, I'm going with guys that tend to play my Cobra course well. What, what's the law? What's El Chameleon. El Chameleon. Yep, El La. It's, it's a chameleon. Uh, it blends right in with the nature. Ah, I like that. That, that, that is clever. I have no idea if that's why they named it that. but I bet it is, you know. So Greg Norman designed the shark. Oh, cool. Um, well, that, mean, that means it's great until Sunday. <laughs> that guy, oh, that, sorry, that, Greg. That's, that's horrible. Too that, soon. That is, Too soon. That really is bad. Um, next guy, um, Kobe, is also another guy who's played this course well. Of the, uh, He's played this tournament nine times. He's made the cut six of them, so that is also nice. And um, has been playing. So you're saying he's six for nine in cuts made. Correct. Nice. Nice. And also, Kobe, the strength of field this week, 269. Nice. Comparatively, the last year was 175, so that goes to show that we're almost 100 points higher in official world golf ranking. So it goes to show this is a stronger field. But my next cheapest guy, another guy who's played this course well, or like I said, just uh, six for nine, uh, give me Scott Piercy, 7,900. And not only does he play, he play this course well over his last few tournaments, he's gone 32nd, 14th, and 19th. So And Piercy's one of those guys who's streaky. He's going to make a lot of birdies on you. Might, he shoots a really, lot of low numbers, and he'll come back with a high one. So hopefully he stays away from the high number and can start making some birdies going especially into the weekend yeah absolutely so i decided this week in honor of the late great diego maradona i decided to put an argentinian in my lineup how about a little emiliano grillo action mm-hmm. emiliano grillo has played mayacoba four times he owns three top 15 finishes in his four starts at mayacoba the only one was last year's t41 also each of his first 15 rounds at this golf course he broke par he ended that streak in his T41 last year with an even par 71 in the final round. So I'll take Emiliano Grillo at 8,300. We know he's going to hit it well, and let's just hope he makes a couple putts. 
And then uh, my second most expensive this week. And now I'm getting into the two guys that I really like. Those four, I feel like could kind of go either any, any direction. But these two at the top, I feel really confident are going to be there at the end of the week. And uh, one of those is my second most expensive. It's a guy who played well at the Masters until Sunday. So he should fit right in on this Greg Norman design. Uh, and that is the Mexico native, the Oklahoma Sooner, Abraham Answer. Short and straight, baby. Short and straight all day long. Get it on the green. Make a few putts. I like Abe's chances this week. I do, too. I do, too. I, th- I think I think answer is a, might be a good bet. Do you have his odds in front of you, Colby? Uh, I believe he was 22 to 1. Let me pull him up and double check. But I think he was 22 to 1 last I looked. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that would be a good value to uh, to bet on. I think he has a really good chance to win this week, in all honesty. Um, so, I will go next with my next cheapest guy, Colby. Let me make sure I'm not at it. Okay. So, um, at 8,500, this is a guy who missed the cut last time he played. Um it was the week after the Masters. I think he had a little bit of Masters hangover because like, kind of like kind of like you said, was playing good up until Sunday, so should fit this mode well. Before his missed cut, finished 19th at the Masters, and then before that, 14th, 9th, 27th, um, and 23, and um, made the cut at the U.S. Open and then had uh, back-to-back top 10s in the playoffs. Give me Sebastian Munoz. Guy who's yeah, been playing really good well, golf. and I, I really like what I saw at Augusta, and I think he'll keep going that forward. I think the reason he played bad on um, – at the RSM was just, it was just a master's little, hangover. There's a lot of golf going on. He, yeah. he shot 75 on the fourth round. He was a little frustrated. And so going up there, not going to have your best stuff. And then my most expensive Colby is the most expensive available. And I don't really need to say much more is why I'm picking him. Give me Justin Thomas. I don't know. I think you do need to say more because Justin Thomas in his career, I don't believe has ever finished inside the top 130 in the, in the rankings at the end of the full season for fairways hit fairway accuracy. That's what I'm all about this week. Short course, but you got to play all the short grass. You miss it. You're likely to be reteeing. I'm kind of on a fade Justin Thomas mood. Um, and I almost think that maybe he's just kind of playing this event because it's the only one in December. I think he's looking more forward to the PNC. I think he's going to be grinding more for the PNC than he is this week. I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of out on JT this week. Well, it's going to slap me in the face and he's going to win. There's, there's a 90% chance that happens. But for whatever reason, I'm just not feeling it. I, I mean, and th- there's just times where you get those feelings and you don't. But, I mean, uh, Kobe, we're just going backwards here. I mean, fourth, tied second, 12th, T8, T3. And then we have almost cuts, one at the uh, FedEx um, St. Jude Invitational. I mean, hasn't really played a whole lot of bad golf. He's had some kind of rough finishes down the stretch at the Zozo. He had a chance to win and wasn't able to finish it off. But um, I don't know. I, I just I have a good feeling. And you mentioned that he's going to be grinding for the PNC there's two different aspects from it. He could do exactly like you're saying and be looking forward to it and overlook what he's doing um, this week, or he can be more motivated to get better. So he's looking for this week as preparation for that, which, Fair may, enough. which may be something you see. And you, you mentioned the fairways hit thing. The reason um, I'll bring that to the contrary is, is that, like you mentioned, this course is meant for fairways, and Thomas is generally a very smart player. Is he knows very good course. He might dial it back. I, I think he's gonna he's gonna hit he's gonna hit the layups off tee box because Thomas is he he wails on it a lot. He's gonna hit drivers hard as he can, Bry- Bryson esque, not to the same extent, but get it down there as far he as he can. Hard. Exactly for so, his size, especially he yeah. comes out of his shoes. I, so I don't expect there to be a whole lot of bomb and gouge, and I would. I would make a strong bet that he finishes inside the top 10 this week. Okay. He, uh, by the way, this season so far, he's T122 in fairway accuracy. Uh, last season, he finished the year at T144 in fairway accuracy. So, which honestly surprises me. Whenever I was doing a little bit of research earlier, I was really surprised at how low he is in those rankings. I, w- I would have suspected him to be a guy hovering around, you know, 50th to 75th. In the world of driving accuracy, I'll I'll look up where he's at, Cole. Because one thing that can be that can be misleading is is that, well, a few things. One is that whenever you get 
into that, you're di- you're dealing with point percentages a lot of times. So, oh, yeah. you know, so I mean, the difference between being, I, don't get me wrong, over the course of an entire season, it's monumental, the difference between hitting one fairway and not hitting one. So it definitely means something. But I'm going to, I'll look up um, while you give us your picks, Colby. I want to see what his distance from the center of the fairway stat is okay. because I think there's a lot of times where he'll land in the fairway and it runs out. Because I, I noticed that happened a lot. I may be wrong. I'll look it up. But um, I just want to double check. That that might be the only reason that um, I would see that he'd be in that high. Because like I said, I don't. He just doesn't seem like a guy who's offline a lot. He's it, not like Phil or anything like, like that. I don't. I, I don't look at him as a guy who sprays it off the tee and then has to you know scramble his way up to the green. But he does do some of that. But like you said about percentage points, this season so far he's hitting sixty point four five percent of his fairways. That has him at t one twenty two to get up to let's say fiftieth in fairways hit sixty seven point two. So I mean it's seven percent of your fairway. Ways, uh, but I mean, what's that, what's that one round? Well, th- this is for this year, right, Colby? This, for this year, oh, yeah. So he, he's got sixteen more. rounds logged. Okay, this so year. That, that's four tournaments. That's a right. very small sample size, right? Yeah. yeah. Last year would be a little more indicative. Of course, he was T one forty four last year. But my most expensive on DraftKings, uh, it's kind of bizarro world for us this week in DraftKings because you didn't take the guy that you always take. And I did take the guy nah, that you always I know, take. I know who you got. At 10,001, it's my boy, Harris English. Your boy. Oh, God. Give me a break here. Give That's me a your break. Yeah, hey, you've been on him all fall, and you know what he hasn't done? He has not won a golf tournament. So you know what I thought I would do? I thought I would wait until the week that he's going to win and then roster him. How mad are you going to be if he wins this week, the one week out of the last 10 tournaments you don't roster him? Um, mm, let's, let's put it this way. It'll it'll be the ultimate. I, I'll probably see it coming in all honesty because that's what always happens. I ride a guy forever, and then once I get off, all of a sudden they get that victory. Or as soon as I jump on their bandwagon, then they start missing cuts. That's normally if, what happens. If he wins this week, just for the simple fact that it's the one week you haven't rostered him and I do, I might get like a Harris English jersey made. <laughs> I don't know how that would work. Well, so what? How many? Uh, how many tour wins does he have? Uh, good question. So then you could put because I know he's won a couple times. So you could just put whatever this number of tour event it was, or you could put the number of weeks I picked him in DraftKings before this, and then didn't pick him, which would be I don't know fifty five or whatever. Two PGA Tour wins. They both came in 2013. One was the FedEx St. Jude Classic, uh, where he shot 69-69 on the weekend. Nice. Well done, sir. Uh, and then the other one was in 2013. And do you know where it was at? Go where? Uh, 20, no, hit me with it. It was Mayakoba. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's right. We talked about earlier that he won here. Gosh dang. <laughs> we oh, did. So, sorry, I was, I was, I'm looking up this. I know, I'm you're like, doing other things. I'm I, looking uh, up this Justin Thomas thing. By the way, runner up to him that year was another guy who's in my DraftKings lineup, Brian Stewart. Um, so here's what I'll do. I will make a Harris English jersey and I'll put whatever he shoots on Sunday. That'll be the number I put on the back and I'll just hope that it's 69. I'll I'll wear that jersey every day of the week. And so my... We can sell it on our website, obviously with Harris's permission. Absolutely. And so... Uh, you know, I look up the Thomas thing, and it didn't really help my case at all because I look it up, and I thought he'd be higher, and he was 170th, and then the year before, he's 143rd in distance from seeing the fairway. So, Maybe he's just more of a sprayer than we think. Uh, Apparently, it, he is. The, the, the stats indicate the, the stats say, I mean, n- n- numbers don't lie, but sometimes they don't tell the full truth. Yeah, they don't tell the, the whole story, but... Man, I'll, I'll, you know what I see? I see number three in the world is what is kind of what I'm looking at. It means this he's point. really good in a lot of other areas. Yes. That means when he does hit the fairway, he makes birdie. The 60% of the time that he does hit the fairway, 
he he birdies about eighty percent of those times because yes. he's so good with his irons. Great and, and really good, very underrated underrated wedge player. I yep. mean, he's very good with his yep. wedge. Nice at, least, at least from what I I don't know. Hell, I thought he was a pretty straight hitter, and he's down in the one fiftieth and from distance from center and fairway. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess we should say it feels like he's a really good wedge player since we haven't actually looked up the stats today on it. But it, but it feels like when he gets in that in between range where you need to take some spin off, you know, hitting that dead handed wedge where you just kind of let it you take l- the, lazily yeah, like you said, fall in there, take the spin off of it yeah. and just let it let it trickle up feels like he's good at that shot so uh let's look at some odds shall we give out some best bets for this week i'm I'm gonna stay away from the couple at the top justin thomas and brooks kepka this uh this course has not i mean i've I've talked about it the entire show it is not historically favored guys who can hit the ball a long way and maybe you're right maybe they dial it back and just hit a bunch of fairways uh with irons off the tee and then go from there uh but i don't know i'm just there's not good enough value uh for me to bet those guys at the top, kind of in the teens range. Uh, by the way, Abraham answer is 18 to one. I thought he was 22. He's gone down. He's one of only five players. That makes sense. Yeah, he's one of only five players that have better than 20 to one odds to win this week. That's- <laughs> hey, but before you keep going, I, I want to yeah. make a point on the sample size because I'm looking up Justin Thomas's 50 to 125 range, see yeah. where he's at in rankings. So, so far this year for 2021, the leader in um, 50 to 125 yard shots is uh, Robert McIntyre with four rounds, averaging three feet, seven inches from the hole. Whoa. So it goes to show that sample size has a lot to do with it. Also, I'd be curious to know how many shots he actually hit. Between uh, right yards. here, number of attempts, one. And then the guy right below him, uh, Parker McLaughlin, has hit one shot, same thing, 8 feet 11 inches. Yes. Average. So yeah. so make sure when you're looking at this year's stats that you have, make sure you get That's the That's why if it's the beginning of the season, I always go look at last year's. Exactly. Because, I mean, it's just a lot more indicative of what it is. So five players better than 20 to 1 this week. Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Harris English, Tony Finau, Abraham Answer. I have two of those guys in my DraftKings lineup. I'm probably not betting them this week. Just at a tournament like this, I really want to find some value. I wouldn't blame you if you bet one of those guys in the teens. Uh, one guy I think you should fade. Ricky Fowler's 22 to 1 this week. That's got to be a fade for me for a guy who's a big name and is playing bad golf. I mean, well, the you, name is the reason he's 22 to 1, not the not the production. You don't think the horses for courses factor said he's played here twice, hadn't shot over par? I mean, you don't I mean, you don't think you don't think he brings a little good mojo here? I, maybe, I just maybe, don't bring, think, maybe, maybe brings the wife down, have a nice little Mexico trip. I mean, how often does a guy just play bad golf for six months and then come out and find it four days in a row? He he might find it for two days, three days. But how often do you just go from bad golf to four days in a row of playing elite enough to win a PGA Tour event? It just seems really unlikely. Well, what's weird about it, um, at least from my perspective, and I looked it up, Thomas last year was 25th, 50 to 125. The year before was 5th. So very good wedge player. So so this time the eye test was was accurate. And um, so for for Ricky, I think that the thing you notice a lot of times, like we bring up Jim Herman and some of these other guys who fall off the map and then all of a sudden they find it. But normally when you see good players who have lost their game, like like um, Duvall who never really came back, but like Stinson and Westwood, they don't miss a lot of cuts and then win. They kind of have a gradual increase in their performances. And we haven't seen that yet from Ricky, but I think this it's a course he's played good at. It may be the start of something, but I, I guarantee I wouldn't be betting him at, at 22 to 1 for sure. Yeah, definitely not. If you want to bet an Oklahoma State Cowboy, if you're in love with the local guy, Guys, uh, I mean, you don't get as good odds. Victor Hovland's twenty to one. Well, that's a better uh, better bet than Ricky. Oh, I, I completely he's, agree. Yeah, he's played a lot better golf uh, recently. Although his one win is still in Puerto Rico, and we know if you win in Puerto Rico for whatever reason, you don't win elsewhere. 
Don't know what the Puerto Rico curse is all about, but two guys who have won at Puerto Rico and nowhere else uh, are in the top seven in odds this week with Finau at 18 to one and Hovland at 20 to one. Cheeseburger is also at 20 to one, but we get a little bit further down and now we get into some guys where I think I'm getting pretty good value. I couldn't fit him in my DraftKings lineup, but Russell Henley's been playing some really good golf. He's a putting machine. Putting machine. Straight accurate. Fits the mold for the course. 25 to one this week you can get Russell Henley at. So I think there's pretty good value there. Um, I I actually think if you want to go a little bit further down to a guy who I think is playing the best golf of his career, he is in your DraftKings lineup. That's Sebastian Munoz, who you can get at 55 to 1. And I have to wonder what his odds would have been had he not missed the cut at the RSM. I have to think he'd be. 30, 35 to one had he not missed the cut. The, 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 um, I got CBS odds pulled up right here, Kobe. I got him at 40 to one. So if you, if you find that okay. 55 to one, I would strike that while it's hot. Um, some, cause like I got Emilio and Grillo here, here, here is 55 to one as well. I think he would be another guy in that range who would fit that mold as well. But who are some of your other best bet? I just wanted to say if you can find Munoz at that high of value, I would strike on it for sure. Yeah. By the way, if you're wondering about Austin Eckroat and Quade Cummins, both listed at 200 to one this week. They have better odds than the likes of Bo Hostler, Nate Lashley, who's won on the PGA Tour recently, Jason Duffner. All those guys are at 225 to 1. Troy Merritt, they've got better odds than Troy Merritt, Steve Stricker, Luke Donald, uh, some of these greats from the past. Johnson Wagner, uh, who I believe has won here as well. He's 500 to 1, way down the list. By the way, I don't know who Aaron Tarazas is, but he is 2,500 to one, which is a thousand to one worse odds than anyone else in the field. That's about as big of a gap as I've seen from worst odds in the field to second worst odds in the field. Second worst is Martin Trainer at 1,500 to one. And then you got to go down to 2,500 to one to get to Aaron Terrazas. So. Is it A-A-R-O-N? Aaron. Uh, A-A-R-O-N, yep. And then Terrazas is T-E-R-R-A. Z-A-S. So look him up for us uh, and tell me what's going on with Aaron Tarazas. A um, couple more of the long shots. Again, guys, I've got my DraftKings lineup I like this week. Patton Kazire playing really good golf. He's streaky and then he wins. He's 66 to 1, so I think there's some long shot value there as well. But other than that, I don't see a ton uh, of guys that I want to bet in kind of the 100 to 1 range. But that's kind of what I like. Fade the guys at the top. Fade Ricky. Uh, you can get the play with Henley at 25 to 1. Munoz is 55 to 1. Kazire 66 to 1. So so those are probably my three favorite plays this week if I had to narrow it down for you. Yeah, so I'm pulling up um, Aaron uh, Terrazas, and looks like he's a Latin America player. Um, finished T12th at the qualifying school at the at the start of 2020, and that's the last result that I see here. So I'm not sure. Maybe he wants something else to get in the field. I'm not exactly sure, but looks like he's a uh, Latin America Tour Pro with uh, graduated from UTEP in 2019 with not a whole lot of experience, it looks like. So that probably explains it. But for him to be a thousand to one worse odds than anyone else in the field. That's insane. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, uh, good stuff. I'm looking forward to my Cobra this week. Yep. It's a good field and it's the last PGA Tour event of the season. So, watch it before it's gone because after this, obviously, we'll have the PNC, but that's only two days and who knows? I'm sure that's maybe they'll do more coverage this year because Tiger and Charlie are playing, but that's usually limited coverage like two hours a day whenever it comes on. And then we don't get another PGA Tour event until the century. So, enjoy watching the guys tee it up this week. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's going of, of the two college kids playing Quaid and Eckroat is, are you taking OSU boy? Or are you taking OU boy? Absolutely. They're both 200 to one. Either one could make the cut, miss the cut, finish top 10, finish DFL. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to be a homer and roll with the OSU guys. So give me Eckroat. Uh, I would G- give me, by the way, 
Oak Tree National Course record holder, Austin Eckrock. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a claim to have. And so I I would love to take OU boy Quaid. Eckrock's such a great player. I have no idea how they've been playing here of late. I need to look at their college results. I know both schools have been playing pretty well, or they play. At OU's least play. been playing better. OU's been great this fall. Yeah, so I'd be I probably, but I know they both of them have really deep rosters. Nevertheless, I I mean, if we want to have fun, give me OSU. But I would I would lean towards Eckrock if I had to pick pick one. I mean, even on DraftKings, I think they're sixty five and sixty four hundred respect. So, I mean, fairly high value for, for some, you know, technically amateurs. Uh, would you care to play a quick guessing game before we get out of here? Tell me where uh, you think each of those guys, Eckroat and Cummins, are ranked in the current PGA Tour U rankings. We haven't talked about PGA Tour U in a while. Ah, but PGA we gave Tour you a big U. rundown a while back. Guys uh, trying to earn tour cards that way. It's a good new ranking system. Obviously, top five is where you want to be. That's what gives you the most rewards. So, give me a guess on uh, both Eckroat and Cummins. I'm going to guess just off the top of my head, I'm going to say uh, random numbers and I don't know where they fit. I'd say one of them's three and one of them's eight. Uh, you're really close. Austin Eckroat is fourth. Um, he's behind, let's see, John Pack, Florida State, on U, Arizona State, and Davis Thompson, University of Georgia. Those are your top three. Uh, Eckroat pencils in at four. And then the next three, Sandy Scott at Texas Tech. Man, the Big 12 is playing some golf. Number six, Garrett Reband at the University of Oklahoma. Oh, wow. Not, so Quaid's not even the highest player on the Quaid's team. Quaid's not the highest PGA Tour U player on the University of Oklahoma. Shout golf out Ryan Hibble and the job he's doing. Holy no moment. doubt about it. McClure Meissner at Southern Methodist is number seven. And then number eight is Quaid Cummins. So four and eight for Eckroat and Cummins in PGA Tour U. And I said three and eight. That's pretty good. Uh, that's really good, yeah. I'm looking down here. Texas Tech has another guy at 12, so obviously they're doing good things. And then Cooper Dossie at Baylor is at number 15. Shout out Mike McGraw. Yeah, shout out friend of the show, Mike McGraw, number 15. And that's the next big cutoff. If you're not in the top five, you want to be in the top 15 because that's kind of they, – they tier this as to how many opportunities, how many exemptions and stuff you get depending on where you finish. So big to be in the top 15, and Cooper Dossie sits right there right now. So uh, good stuff. I'm looking forward to this one this week. Yeah, th- th- this is going to be really good. I, th- this is – I, I think the PNC will kind of fill the void of the hero challenge because that's kind of the golf we get in December. Yeah, it it's will. got Tiger, but I mean, I'm, we mentioned it earlier. When last year we have a strength field of 175, this year 269, very nice, almost 100 points higher. I, I think it's going to be some really good golf. And I know you're fading him, but if I had to bet on one person, I'd bet on Thomas. I okay. really would. I'm, I got you. I'm just six and a half to one, man. That's I, that's it's that's what I'm saying. It's horrible. It's horrible value. But but who's the next closest? Kepka. Kepka ten to one. I mean, does Kepka play good besides majors? Or does he win besides majors? I guess Does I he should. care besides majors? Exactly. I mean, he did top, what, T4 in Houston a few weeks back, but that was that was preparation for a major. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, that was a Sunday 63. So, anyway, good field this week at the Mayakoba. Looking forward to it. Should be a good event. We'll be back next week to recap it and get you ready for the offseason. We've got a very short offseason as very, PGA very Tour short. fans. So, uh, that's a good thing. Everybody, enjoy Mayakoba this week. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next week on the 73rd Hole.